All right, what's going on, everybody? It's Joe Howie. I'm here with Peter DiBiase, welcoming you back to episode three of Providence POV. We have a good one in store for you today. We're going to be breaking down the Friars' commanding win over the Wisconsin Badgers as part of the 2023 Gavit tip-off games, plus taking a look ahead at Providence's matchup against Kansas State as a part of the Bahamar Hoops Bahamas Championship. Woof, try saying that three times fast. <laughs> Peter, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Providence more than took care of business on Tuesday against Wisconsin, yeah. and they handled their business, uh, obviously, in a 13-point victory, which was very nice, and it's it be fun to talk about it, and then obviously, we got a, a big weekend ahead of us, which we probably have maybe a little bit of a different perspective on than maybe if we lost on Tuesday. I totally agree with you. Um like I said on our, our episode from Monday, which everyone listened to on Tuesday, you know, how things went against Wisconsin was going to dictate the tone going into this weekend, right? If you come out of that game against a Big Ten opponent, a, a, a Big Ten opponent that's going to be very good, by the way. Wisconsin is one and two right now, but that is not indicative of the team that Providence faced. Um, if you come out of that game two and one, you're looking ahead at the weekend with a little more caution, right? Like, you're going to mm-hmm. be playing with your cards a little bit closer to your chest. Now the Friars come out of that game three and zero, so they're, they're playing with house money this weekend, right? Like if you win, it's great. You have an opportunity to beat some some really good opponents away from home. If not, uh, learning experience, right? This team is still young. I think there's a lot of raw talent on the team. I think English's coaching chops are starting to show a little bit. Um, so yeah, I, I think this weekend presents. Uh, much more uh, hopeful opportunity for this team than it did um, it, than it would have in the event we lost to Wisconsin. No, hundred percent. And obviously we will, we'll talk about towards the middle to later part of the show, but obviously we'll talk about the Kansas state game. And then obviously depending on the Miami Georgia game, and it all depends on matchups and how you win and who you play this weekend, right? Like if you lose to Kansas state and then you proceed to lose to Georgia, then like we'll, we'll be talking on Monday in a little bit of a different, different, matter but like if you split and you lose beat Kansas State and you lose to Miami I think we'll still have a very positive outlook on this team but it was a great win on Tuesday so it was a great win on Tuesday Friars took the win on Tuesday 72-59 commanding the Badgers from opening tip to closing buzzer I mean this one Peter it was great from the get-go and like you and I said off air it was a 13 point victory but on paper, but it really wasn't a 13-point victory if you watch the game. That was a game that saw the Friars lead by as many as 25 points in the second half. As Greg Gard so lovingly put it in the post-game press conference, we kicked their ass. Yeah, look, you win by 13, and I agree with you, Joe. We talked about off-air right away when we both hopped on uh, StreamYard. We talked about how they it felt like they won and by 20, right? Like, they won by 20. The score doesn't end uh indicate what exactly the actual play was but look they took care of business you win by 13 and the hot start you go up 16 at half but you're up seven nothing to start the game right you get the crowd kind of into it and you play defense i think wisconsin struggled right like wisconsin struggled from the opening tip off to probably the last three minutes of the game like shooting the ball they were 25 percent from downtown they shot the ball basically 33.9 so basically 34 percent from the field this is a i think wisconsin is better than what they showed on Tuesday, but I think you also have to give credit to the Friars for playing very aggressive defense, not giving any easy points. It could have been a little closer. Obviously, if Wisconsin 
shot the ball a little better, but they started so slow. I think mentally they were kind of out of it really quickly. It was one of those things where like we're down early. They kind of called back after seven nothing, but they were kind of down. With, I think it was like nineteen eight around that kind of number, and you kind of just feel like it was done because you see Greg Gard, his emotions on the sideline. Like I just felt like after the first eight minutes, the game was over. Wisconsin had nothing left to give uh, for the rest of the game. Yeah, I I think that's a great point, and and I think it, it from my reaction watching at home, right? Like Wisconsin looked shocked. Like I don't think that the player, the Wisconsin team was expecting that type of opening punch from Providence, right? And maybe you chalk it up to, you know, you don't know uh, the Kim English system as well as you did the Ed Cooley system. You chalk it up to these are new pieces. We don't know how well they work together. They, you know, ha- they handed L's to their first two opponents that are mid-major teams. There, there's a couple of different factors here, but I think all in all, Wisconsin looked shocked to start the game. And quite frankly, I was a little shocked too, right? Like, you and I, you know, we nitpicked the first two games, right? Like we're happy with the wins, but the team looked a little disjointed and a little uncomfortable playing together, right? That was a different team on Tuesday. And you have to chalk that up to the preparation, right? That because in the post-game press conference, Kim English even said that they couldn't be complacent, right? Providence came off of a victory on Saturday. Saturday, Wisconsin came off of a loss to Tennessee, So I think that's a huge indicator that Kim English had these guys preparing like hell for this game. Like, I I don't know. I thought, I thought the preparation was really shown on the court. Yeah. And they, and they came out fiery and it was one of those things where I think their offense was great. Obviously they hit 72 points, which is great, but giving up only 59 points to Wisconsin, a team that is, has talent on offense. We talked about earlier in the week, Joe, how, four there's like four three or four starters on this team for wisconsin that can legit score like really legit score and a couple of them really struggled like crow they're seven foot of one for five from the field tyra wall who's probably quote unquote their best player three for nine from the field and chucky hepburn two for ten from the field and those three guys are all upperclassmen that have been um at wisconsin for many years so those are three veteran players that shot that made uh, six shots together. They made a total of six shots between those three guys. Look, that's credit to the defense. That's credit to the environment. I think if we, if you like, we didn't expect that, right? I think we expected more of a back and forth kind of game, but the Friars punched them in the mouth. And then after halftime, like you didn't really have to do much. You're up 16 and a half. You lose by three in the second half. That's all you had to do, right? Like, it was one of those things, and I'm shocked by that stat line. Those three guys had made six shots. Those three guys made six shots, which is a, and they all played at least 28 minutes. That's a crazy stat line. Yeah, that is. I mean, that that's bad, right? Like, yeah, you, you, and I know from being Providence fans that over the years there have been some performances where your top guys just don't have it. Like, right? We've definitely had a night, right, where maybe Rodney Bullock and Isaiah Jackson combined for like four for 15, right? Like, so we know how it feels to be on the opposite side of that coin. And mm-hmm. you just, you have to tip your cap to Providence's defense. I, th- I think they came out and the defensive energy, they were disrupting passes. They were, I mean, the on-ball defense was great. I thought Oduro was really good in the paint with guys that were bigger than him. 
Um, you just, you really got to credit the defense here. And as always, the Providence defense starts with Devin Carter, who was the leading scorer of this one, 21 points, eight rebounds, seven defensive rebounds. He had an assist. He went six of eight from the floor, three for five from deep. His fingerprints were all over this game. We kind of brushed over him talking about the first two wins, but it's time to give him his flowers. He has really set the tone this season, and it was on full display Tuesday night. Yeah, he was he was the best player on the court for the Friars. <clears throat> the one, obviously, to think he had five turnovers. Uh, you probably want to limit that. Problems at 18 turnovers. Uh, but I thought Devin Carter was great. Well, like you said, 20 points, eight total rebounds, seven on the defensive side of the ball. I thought he was very good at kind of taking what the defense gave him. He was very good in the paint, his fadeaway, kind of like his drop step in the paint. But he was also able to make a couple of threes. And I think he doesn't need to be a crazy three-point shooter for this team to succeed. But if he can give you something from downtown, I think it kind of opens up the offense. And he was three for five from three. Like, that was yep. a Great performance from the three-point range. And I think the whole team, 44% from three, I think we will take that on most nights. That was a very good three-point shooting performance from the team. So that was great. But I thought I thought Devin Carter on both sides of the ball, right? Like he had to deal with Chucky Hepburn and A.J. Storm. And A.J. Storm, we know from St. John's uh, last year, he likes to shoot the ball. Shot the ball 17 times. Right. He did have 22 points, but seven for 17 from the field. And he was six for six from the line. So six of those 22 points came from the line and he took 17 shots when he made seven. So he wasn't like an A plus performance from the store. He still got his, but he it was at the cost of a ton of shots and a ton right. of missing. So I thought Devin Carter on both sides of the ball was great, great energy guy. And he, I think he can kind of play a little more freely in this kind of offense. I think he can kind of do his thing. And I think Kim English lets him do the thing. And I, it's kind of cool to see. I think this offense is, Yes, they have set plays. Yes, they have they run sets. They have plays and all that kind of stuff. But it does feel like they have a little bit more freedom. I don't know if you remember this, but you know the one three that Garway. Uh, I know I'm going off traffic topic here for a second, but you know the one three that Garway hit. If yeah. you saw, I don't know if the TV picked up on it, but Kim English, it was like Garway was just dribbled up the court and just pulled up from the top of the key early in the shot clock, and he made the three. But Kim English told him to shoot it, like kind of give him like a little, uh, little like nod with his head to like, Hey, shoot the ball like early in the shot clock three. Like, I think this, he, I think he trusts his players and they can kind of let his players kind of play freely on offense. And I think it's kind of, it's really showing for some of these guys stat lines three games into the year. Right. And I, I think that's a great observation, Peter, because in the post game press conference, right. When, when asked about the preparation for the game, Devin Carter said that in practice, they wanted to get shots up within the first seven seconds of any offensive set. They watched the Wisconsin tape. They knew what was coming. They knew that Wisconsin wasn't great at getting back in transition or getting back into their set defense. First seven seconds of the shot clock, get a shot up. And I think what you just said about, you know, Kim giving a nod to Garway coming up the floor is like the epitome of that right there, right? Like having trust in your players sticking to the game plan and executing, right? I, I, I think that's a great observation. I think that fits the point perfectly. Um, and to just go back to what you said about Devin Carter defensively against the Wisconsin guards and AJ store, right? He went seven for 17 from the field, right? If you're taking 17 shots, you sure as hell better be scoring in double figures, especially if you're going to go perfect from the stripe with six attempts, you, you, you better be scoring in double figures. Um, 
but yeah, I thought that was another great point. Um, moving down the stat sheet here, right? We talked about uh, Garway Dual a little bit. Only three points, twenty-two minutes though, um, and I think you can contribute. You can attribute that to you know Jaden Pierre playing with his hair on fire. 13 points, three assists, perfect from three-point range, and five of seven from the field. He's really coming into his own. I'm really pleased with the way he's developed so far this season. Yeah, I think it's something that this team kind of needed, right? Like, there was a lot of pressure on these young guards outside of Devin Carter and, I guess, ticket gains, if you want to call him a guard, Uh, kind of positionless basketball. But I think it was there was a lot of pressure coming into this season for the guards outside of Devin Devin Carter because – we didn't know what we could expect because Coy Floyd didn't play a ton last year. We have high expectations for him. Neither did Jaden Pierre and Garway Duell was a freshman. But we need them to succeed because to win in the Big East, you need legit point guard play. It's just, it's just yep. a fact. You look at Marquette with Tyra Cole. It's like you need legit point guard play. And I like this John Rostein tweet that we retweeted on our Twitter account. So make sure you guys go follow Province POV on Twitter. But uh-huh, Nice plug. Pro- this is what Rostein tweeted. Uh, after the game, Providence sophomore Jaden Pierre is having a breakout start to the season at point guard, averaging 12.7 points per game and 3.7 assists per game through three games. Last year, he averaged 2.5 points per game, obviously in limited minutes, and 1.2, uh, 1.9, excuse me, assists per game. That was last season. So he was great. He was confident. And something that I didn't think I was going to see, three for three from three. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean – I, I agree with you. Gar, uh, excuse me. Jaden Pierre wasn't much of a presence last year. And although I do love Bill Raftery a ton, um, he did give Ed Cooley a little bit of a nod it, during the, the broadcast saying that, you know, Cooley loved Pierre, but never really played him or, or wanted to get him more minutes, something along those lines. Like really, if he loved him so much, he should have, he should have freaking yeah. played him. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, I, I mean, I'm not going to go and, and, rip raft to shreds or, or dissect last season, but Pierre is someone who deserves playing time. And the way that he has played the first three games of the season is, you know, the icing on the cake as to why he, sh- he does. Um, I think too, right. Like, you know, coming into the season uh, and I'm sure in the, in the preseason as well, there's been some competition for that starting job between him and Garway Duell, right? Duell's talented and he's a freshman with a ton of upside. Pierre's a sophomore who's been through the system. Pierre probably, you know, wants to reserve that spot for himself because he's earned it. And Duol comes in with the raw talent and is going to fight for it. So I'm sure, you know, there's a, a competitiveness internally for Pierre too that's driving him to play as well as he is. Um, and that's what you need, right? That's what you ask in any sport of your teammates is that they push you to to be the best athlete, to be the best teammate and version of yourself that you can be because at the end of the day this only benefits the team right if pierre has a great game and it complements four other guys who score in double figures right the the end result is what we saw tuesday so uh, Jaden pierre really really important piece this season just running down the stat sheet here bryce hopkins was second in scoring with 16 points we saw him return to form a little bit uh this game only four three-point attempts he was one for four from the uh from deep he was five of 12 from uh the field five of six from the stripe with four rebounds and two assists i thought hopkins was coming back into his own a little bit um Peter, what are your thoughts on him? I know we, we said he's been a little all over the place to start the season. I still think he's playing a, a, a little 
below the level of which we expect. Uh, wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, look, and I, I've seen some people talk about like he doesn't have confidence, and I think it's like the total opposite of Bryce Hopkins. He might have too much confidence because he might take too many shots, which is not the end of the world. Look, he's still – I think this was his best performance uh, through the first three games, right? Like five for 12 from the field is fine. One for four from downtown. His three-point shot is clearly still not there, but he only took four. He kind of realized that five for six from the line, 16 – like he was good. He wasn't great. He didn't have to be great, but I would still say like he had a pretty solid dominant performance. He had 16 points. Like he's still coming into his own hit. Joe. And I think we both talked about this, like his shots just not there right now. Like it's still a work in progress. I think today, I think today, I think Tuesday was a step in the right direction when it comes to his jump shot and his three point shot. It's still not fully where I think he probably wants it to be, but I don't think like it's for a lack of confidence. Like I think, he thinks he can make any shot. And I don't think they're going to stop him from shooting. Like we watched enough. I think we've watched enough Kim English basketball and it's only been three games to know these guys are going to shoot the ball and they're going to continue to shoot the ball. Yep. There's going to be a couple games where we're going to lose and we're going to shoot really bad and we're going to have a lot of shots and we're going to, you and I are going to come on here and be like, well, we took too many bad shots, but the next game they're going to go right back to it. I think we start, are going to have to start to realize that this team is going to shoot the ball and they're going to continue to shoot the ball no matter who it is. Kim English has, I think, faith in anybody that steps on the court that can make any shot from any part of the the, the court. Yeah, that that's a great point. Um, there there certainly will be games when yeah. you know you you and I and for people who have been fans of the show for a while, you know that I get frustrated after bad losses, right? And if we're gonna take this many three pointers, you know. We better be ready to live and die by the three. So far, uh, so good, right? Except for Hopkins. But I think that's a great point, Peter. Um, and and Hopkins specifically, right? Like, if this is Hopkins, you know, at not like not playing at his prime, then I cannot wait to see him like once he's back in form. Because Bryce Hopkins through the first three games of the season is averaging 13 points per game seven rebounds a game, an assist per game, shooting. Mm, actually, I'm not going to say the shooting numbers because they're not great. But anyway, <laughs> Hopkins is still producing statistically. The shooting numbers aren't great, but he's producing. And I was shocked that he had 16 points, right? Like that just tells you how sneaky of a player he is, but how important it is when he's on. Because when he's on, you know that Hopkins is scoring. When he's in the shadows, I still think it's great because the result was a win on Tuesday. But when he's in the shadows, it just shows that the rest of the team can pick up the slack. I can't wait to see everybody on with like a full-fledged Bryce Hopkins. Yeah, and I don't think there's any cause for concern with Bryce no, Hopkins. Neither, neither do I. I think, look, if, if we're 12 games in the year and he's – Still struggling to shoot the ball. I think you and I can have that conversation, obviously, depending on where the team is at. But I think at the moment when he has 16 points and I thought he got, I thought he was better. Like I thought he got to the line five for six. He made his free throws. I think we can kind of see when he wants to score, he can score. Like he can get to the hole against anybody. I just think it's still settling for maybe too many jump shots and all that kind of stuff. But when he can get to the rim and get downhill, get into the paint, he's very tough to stop. 
Yep, I totally agree. Uh, what what was different about this game versus the first two games was he was playing downhill a ton more than he was, yeah. and I think that is step one in the right direction to getting him to you know his full caliber level. Um, all right, rounding out things here against uh, Wisconsin, Oduro pieced together a great game too. We haven't even really talked about him much. Thirteen points. Three rebounds, perfect from the field. He's really coming into his own quite nicely. Um, ticket gains, only five points, uh, five rebounds. Only took three shots, so not totally upset with that. But I think defensively, Ticket is a surprise. I think his length and, as, and his athleticism are disrupting opponents. Um, he is what I like to call a matchup nightmare. Think of the Alpha Diallos and Isaiah Jacksons of Providence past He's not really a forward. He's not really a guard, but he is tall, long, and athletic. That is a matchup nightmare. Um, he's going to give some some teams fits in the in the near future. Otherwise, I think Providence's top seven is really good. There isn't a time when anyone from that top seven is on the floor that I am having an oh shit moment, which is a refreshing feeling. Being a Providence fan, sometimes you'll have some shaky contributors from the bench. I'm I'm comfortable with the top seven. Even the top eight, we'll put we'll put Castro in there yeah. too. No, I agree. I thought Adoro was great. I think we talked about he had he was a major part on Tuesday, right? Like Crow and Wall, both six nine seven feet veterans uh, for college basketball. Like they Adoro was gonna be a strong presence, and he's still gonna like the big man situation is not going away. Even if it's a, like a good thing, like it's not going away because we're still gonna talk about it because like the depth's not changing. Like, there's not like we're adding depth tomorrow. Like we're still going to talk about how important Adoro is going to be to like stay on the court. He got a little bit of foul trouble, but so did Castro. Castro played 12 minutes and had four fouls. Uh, but I thought Castro was fine. But Adoro, six for six, 13 points, three rebounds. Like he did his thing. He he did his thing offensively. He was good defensively. Uh, credit to him because there's still there are still question marks I think heading into the Wisconsin game just because of the matchup and. Not maybe a plus play for Maduro through the first two games. Yeah, I, I think uh, that the home opener was a little bit shaky for Oduro. Nice bounce back against Milwaukee, and and this game he really came into his own. Um, like you said, Peter, you know, playing against bigger guys and and playing against bigger guys in the way that Oduro did on Tuesday night bodes really well for conference play because the stable of bigs in the Big East, like we've said before, is intense this this upcoming season um but anyways moving along here friars handle wisconsin 72 59 they improved to 3 and 0 on the season um before we get into the kansas state matchup a quick word from our foundation and our sponsor as always this podcast is brought to you by house enterprise and in partnership with house of college hoops Head over to our site, house-enterprise.com, to get in on the action. If you toggle over to the blog tab, that's where you'll find this podcast, along with some of the writing that I produce for the site, as long as as well as our talented writing crew. Um, if you toggle over to the merchandise tab, that's where you can buy your vintage Flex Hoops merchandise while it's on the site. It's only staying up there for a little bit longer, I think. First week of December, we're going to try and flip that to the Providence POV logo. So if you were a fan of the Flex and you want some merchandise, get it before it's gone. Otherwise, hang tight. The Providence POV stuff will be up there shortly. Then you could rep it at the AMP. You could rep it at MSG in March. You could rep it really wherever you want. But 
It supports the show. It supports Peter and myself, and we really appreciate it. All right. As of tonight, it is Thursday, November 16th. The Friars are in Bahamar in the Bahamas. They'll be taking on Kansas State tomorrow night as a part of the Bahamar Hoops Bahamas Championship. That game will be on CBS Sports Network. Peter, what are you looking forward to most about this matchup? It's it's like Wisconsin, right? Like it's another game that we, we don't get to see. Like the non-con games are cool because it's more or less a team like Kansas State and then obviously potentially Miami or Georgia. But Kansas State, like a team like what was I don't know remember the last time we played Kansas State. I have no idea. Like I probably could look it up, but it's like a cool thing because like you don't always get to see these matchups. You're used to the big east matchups that are great. But I'm looking for like this Kansas State team, and I think you and I both put this as a loss. Like when we did our early season predictions a couple weeks ago, we put this as a loss, right? And I think this Kansas State team is not saying trending in the wrong direction, but they lose to USC. They're they're two and one of the year. They lose to USC by 13 the first game, and USC just lost recently. Uh, They beat Bellarmine by eight, and then they smoked South Dakota State, right? Like I don't know what to make of this team. For Kansas State, right? I, and I think right now, if you look, if you like Ken Palm, you look at Ken Palm, Kansas State's sitting at 41 on Ken Palm. Province is sitting at 47. So this is a very even matchup. Miami, who is 12 in the country, sitting at 44 at Ken Palm. Just kind of stumbled upon that right now. So that's maybe interesting. Like the, that's very, yeah, very interesting. I didn't, I, I was going to scroll up and see, oh, they're like 20 or something, right? But no, they're 12 in the eight people. So obviously, Miami's very good, but like this is a very even matchup. The spread is right around the one, so very toss-up quarter in Vegas. We talked about off-air, Joe. Kansas State's led by two guards, Cam Carter and Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry is averaging 20.7 points per game, and Cam Carter, who is averaging 19 points a game. That's some really good guard play. And obviously they have Arthur Kaluma who's coming back from an injury that we saw at Creighton, and then obviously the Will McNair. But the thing is, I would focus on the two guards, Cam Carter, Tyler Perry. It's going to be a big day for Jaden Pierre, Devin Carter, all those type of guys, because I think this is a little bit of a different game where I think we saw Wisconsin more big heavy with some good guard play. I feel like this is more really good guard play with a good forward and then not as good big man play. Yeah, I think that's a great point, and I think you can even look back at last year's Kansas State team to kind of gauge the type of um, the type of guard play, like you said, that, that this team likes to run with. That was a team that made it to the Elite Eight, right, and wound up losing to Florida Atlantic, who went on to the Final Four. But I, I think your point is spot on. The, the backcourt defense for the Friars is going to be really important. Um, I think another, another factor that you can kind of bake into this matchup here too is familiar faces on the Kansas State side of things, right, in terms of their scout of the Friars. You've got Arthur Kaluma, who transferred in from Creighton, who the Friars f- faced twice last season, plus Will McNair, who was in the Providence system, literally traveled to Spain with the team and was on the roster throughout most of the summer. Um I don't know what the full story is, but I think when Eli Delorier committed to Providence, Will McNair hit the road. Um, but anyway, so this this is a, a Kansas State team that has 
had a degree of exposure to this Friars roster, right? Kaluma put up 17 in the Friars double overtime win over Creighton on Valentine's Day last year, and he put up nine when the Friars faced the Blue Jays on the road. So he's he's experienced. He's played this team. He's played these guys before. Will McNair has played with these guys before, quite literally, on the team. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely an interesting matchup. I think for Providence, right, like the key here is – you need Carter to defend really well in the backcourt. You need Corey Floyd Jr. off the bench to defend really well in the backcourt. And I think you need Bryce Hopkins to turn it on. I think for me, when I'm looking ahead, this is what will lead to success this weekend. Yeah, and I, it's a, I think it's a very important weekend, right? Like, we'll be obviously recording early next week, and we'll obviously our main focus obviously will be breaking down what happens on Friday and then what happens on Sunday in their second game. Like this, I don't expect it to, but like you never know. This could be a, a tough weekend for the Friars, but I expect to come out of this weekend, maybe not saying we're the greatest team ever, but pretty excited to where we are at depending on how they play. Like this Kansas State game is very, very winnable. It's like Wisconsin. Like this game is very winnable. Obviously, you won't have the quote-unquote home crowd behind you like you will at the amp when you play Wisconsin. But, well, the Will McNair story is interesting. It's funny. Uh, I think it's more funny than interesting, in my opinion. He played 21 yeah. minutes last game for against South Dakota State. He had 10 points. He had seven rebounds. Like, I'm not saying Will McNair Jr. is going to be a problem, but I think Adoro is going to have his hands full with him. It'll be a fun little matchup right. going back and forth as they were just teammates over the summer, which is it's a fu- I think it's a f- really funny, interesting, intriguing storyline. But look, you're gonna have some good guard play that can shoot the ball a lot. You've seen Arthur Kaluma before, uh, some of the players that played him last year, like Bryce Hopkins and Devin Carter. It's it's a winnable game against Kansas State, but it's a really good Kansas State team. Like this team, even though they're two and one and have I think have looked kind of up and down so far through three games. But like this is a this is another game where when you and I are talking about our resume, hopefully in March, this could be one of the games that we put at the top of our resume. If we win, be like, this is the reason we are this seed and not this seed. Yeah, I, I agree with you too. Not to mention, this is our first test away from home too, right? Like Friars were fortunate enough to have their first three games be at home, including a game over Big Ten opponent, Wisconsin. Now, if Providence came out, in Madison, Wisconsin, with the same punch that they did on Tuesday night. I don't know if the result would be much different, but that's neither here nor there. This is the first test for this team away from home playing an opponent on our schedule that counts. I'm not talking scrimmages in Spain. I'm not talking secret scrimmages. I'm talking a game that counts to your record, like you said, that could be a good indicator for NCAA tournament seating. Um, It's also a quad one game. It is a quad one game. Quad one games, obviously, one through 50 neutral site, and Ken Palm has them at 41. So at this moment, that's a quad one win. Is Wisconsin? No, because Wisconsin's at 33. So Wisconsin's a quad two, which is kind of unfortunate. Obviously, it could change. Stuff can obviously change, and obviously the net isn't out yet. <laughs> um, I missed the net. We got a little ways to go before that comes out. But, yeah, this is a, look, it's a quad one opportunity because they're in the 40s and it's a neutral site game. It's it's fun. It's interesting. Uh, I'm excited to see. And I'm excited to see who they play Sunday too, right? Like if they win against Kansas State on Friday, you're playing with house money on Sunday. Like I think you are because nobody's going to fault you for losing nope. most likely to Miami, who's 
top 15 in the country in the AP poll. Like, nobody's going to fault you for that. So, like, if you win Friday, you win against a good Kansas State team. Like, Sunday is where, like, where this team is really at. Like, like can they compete with the Miamis of the world? Obviously, if you lose Friday to Kansas State and they say, let's say you play Georgia, like, that's a must-win game. Then we're kind of yeah. like, that's a huge game that you have to win. You can't have what happened last year. Like you have, yeah. we have to, we have to be talking on Monday, Joe, about at least a split. No matter how they look, good or bad, there's you cannot come out of this weekend losing two games. You have to find a way to get a split. Is it winning Friday or is it winning Sunday? Obviously, winning Friday is a better resume win, but you have to come out of this weekend with a split. I agree with you, Peter. Um, and going back to what we said at the top of the show, I think that Tuesday's game against Wisconsin is a good indicator for what to expect this weekend. Now, as a completely biased Providence fan that only wants success, my expectation following the game, the win over Wisconsin, is we go 2-0 and this weekend. Will that happen? I don't know. I'll be satisfied with 1-1. and If we go 0-2 like we did last year, we're going to be having a much different discussion on Monday evening when we're recording. A thousand percent. We're going to, um, we're not going to say the sky's falling, but we'll be, no, I think you and I would be a little concerned. I think, I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Um, anyway, the Friars will take on Kansas state tomorrow evening. I think that game is at 6 PM. Yes, it is. Um, they will at following that game. If they win, they will play the winner of Miami, Georgia. That's 12th ranked Miami. Um, if they lose, they'll play the loser of that game. Fun fact, this is now the third time in the past year and a half that Providence and Miami have been in the same tournament-style setting with the possibility to play one another. They obviously lost to Miami last, uh, last year as a part of the Mohegan Sun multi-team event before Thanksgiving. But before that, Providence and Miami were both in Chicago for the Sweet 16, where if Providence didn't lose to Kansas by five points, would have wound up playing Miami the next day. So a little fun fact for you there about Providence and Miami. Um, I'm excited. I think uh, tomorrow's matchup is going to be really fun. I think whoever wins the glass is going to win the game. Just looking now, Kansas State has four players averaging five or more rebounds a game. That's highlighted by David. I'm not. I'm going to totally botch his last name. Nagusin, who averages ten rebounds a game. Um, so I think battle on the board is going to be a big one tomorrow. But if the Friars show up with the same defensive intensity and energy that they did on Tuesday, then things should go well. A hundred percent. And I also, I lost my train of thought. But I, it was. It's also like. Oh, I was going to say this. If you were, if you wanted to watch Miami Georgia tomorrow to see maybe. Potentially who the Friars are going to play. That game's at 3.30 on CBS Sports Network. But look, it's a fun game. And look, if they – I think they take care of business. I do. I, I see more of a split coming this weekend. I don't know if they're ready for a Miami team on Sunday. But you never know. You never know. But this is going to be – because Kansas State can score the ball. They just dropped 91 points. Like this team can score the ball. They're talented. They have four or five guys that are legit college basketball players. They have two legit guards. Arthur Kaluma's legit. Like – you're going to have to come with an A game. Like you're going to have to come with another type of Wisconsin performance if you want to beat Kansas State on uh, Friday evening. I have nothing further to add. I think you put it perfectly. All right. <laughs> You'll hear from us again, uh, not Monday, but Tuesday, once the recording goes live, and then that'll be it. 
will be off for the Thanksgiving break. But before that, the Friars will take on Kansas State tomorrow as a part of the Bahamar Hoops Bahamas Championship. Oh, man, you guys, you got to try saying that sometime. That, that is a mouthful. <laughs> Not a fun name. That game will be at 6 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. Following that, the Friars will either play the winner or the loser of the Georgia-Miami game. I'm Joe Howie. That's Peter DiBiase. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at ProvidencePOV or wherever you listen to your podcast media. We'll see you guys on Monday. Thank you for listening. And as always, go Friars. Go Friars.